For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For now we see in a mirror, but then face to face. Um, when I was at the beach, we stayed on a house on the canal. Anybody ever stayed on a house on a canal before? You know, there's houses that line both sides of the canal. And uh, I had a nice spot upstairs, bedroom, that had a deck off the upstairs. So I had an upstairs deck. and So I spent a lot of times on the deck looking out at the house. I was actually looking at the water, the reflection of the houses in the water. Is I was really sort of fascinated. What I would do is I would study the what the house looked like in the water. Then I'd study what the house actually looked like to see what I was missing. And when you... And, and this scripture kept coming to my mind. In the ancient days, a mirror was not like the mirrors that we have today. Mirrors were very... That's why he says we see in a mirror dimly. Okay? Because the mirrors in those days were like looking into the water. That's the, pretty much what they looked like. Is That was the reflection you would get. Is you would get a dim view of yourself. And, as, and studying those um, houses, I realized there's a lots of detail and things I didn't get to see just looking in the water, but I could see when I looked at the house. Um, and I think really lots of times in our, in our spiritual life, our spiritual vision is like that. That's really what Paul said. It's, it's like we see things dimly. And, and then, but, but when the Lord returns, we'll see Him face to face. We'll see things much clearer. But right now, the Bible uses the terms like we know in part. You know, we don't see the whole picture. We don't see clearly everything that there is to see. You hear what I'm saying to you? But, let me just say this, even though that's true, it is also true that God has revealed things to us and has opened things up for us to see. And He does want us to see. He really does. And He wants to teach us how to see spiritually more clearly. That's really what God really wants us to do. Is he wants us, as a normal a part of our Christian life, is to be able to see what's going on around us spiritually all the time. That's the, that's the Lord's heart. That's really what He wants us to do. Listen, I've got some verses here. I'm going to read them to you. I don't have them up there because they came out of the Message Bible. Y'all know what the Message Bible is? Eugene Peterson's Bible? This is a great one, John 14, 21. A, lovel a loveless world is a sightless world. A loveless world is a sightless world. In other words, what he was saying, really for you to walk in this spiritual realm, there needs to be love in your life. And without, apart from love, you're not going to be able to see. That's why the world can't see. Um, John 18, 8, verse 19. These are the people asking Jesus. They said, where is this so-called father of yours? Jesus said, you're looking at me and don't see me. That's what he said. You're looking at me and don't see me. How do you expect to see the father? If you knew me, you would, you would at the same time know the Father. Jesus was saying, you, you see me, but you don't see me. You hear what I'm saying to you? He, that's what he said. You see me, but see. So we see things, but we really, we really don't really see what what's really happening. We see stuff, but we really don't see it. That's what he was saying. It was profound. Here's another one, John, in the same chapter, John 8, in the same discussion down in verse 23. He says, you are tied down to the mundane. You are tied down to the Monday. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live, listen to this, you live in terms of what you see and touch. Now, I'd like to ask us a question this morning. How many of us live in terms of what we see and touch? Is that, you know, how we, do, how we conduct our lives as Christians 
by what we see and touch. And really, that simply is not biblical on any level for us to live that way. It is not the way God, everybody in the world lives that way. And that's what Jesus was saying. He said, that's how you live. He says, you're, in, you're tied down. He said, you're tied down to the mundane. And that's how your spiritual walk will be. That's how Christianity will be with you if that is simply the way you live your Christian life. Is by based on everything you can see and touch. It'll become a very mundane life. Doesn't mean you're not going to do mundane things. But the mundane things can become significantly different to you if you are seeing into the spiritual realm while doing mundane things. Because everybody's got to get up and, you know, fix breakfast and go to work and provide and go to the bathroom. All those are mundane things. Jesus did mundane things, but he saw something greater around him all the time. He says, I'm living on other terms. I told you that you were missing God in all this. You're at a dead end. That's what he said. You're at a dead end. And that's what Christianity becomes to us when we live just in terms of what we can see and touch. And what we've got to do is we've got to get in our hearts and we've got to get rebellious against, and probably rebellious is not against a good word, but we've got to become rebellious against that kind of lifestyle. We've got to begin to fight for what the Bible has truly said that we have as Christians. We've got to get radical. We can't continue to be Christians who just live in terms of what we can see and hear. Because it is not biblical. It is not. It's against the Word of God. It's against the way God designed us to live. And if we live that way, we will become lukewarm and lethargic and, and messed up in our walk. We'll fall away. We'll, we will get into drugs. We will do all kinds of foolish things with our life. Because we're, we're bored, we're sick and tired, we're messed up. And we live for what we, what's in the natural realm only. And God never designed it to work that way. And therefore your life will simply not work until you realize you've got to step across the natural realm. We need to wake up as people and see this is important for us. We will not be successful any other way. We will not. We've got to get a hold of this thing. And maybe if it takes me yelling to get us to get a hold of it. I don't mind yelling sometimes, but anyways, thank you. Anyways, um, this is what happened, you know, to me, okay? This is what happened to me. I was saying, Lord, you know, this is, I think every pastor wants to know, Lord, what, are, what do you want, what message do you want preached in the church? You know, that's a question that needs to be asked really you know and this you know you can there's lots of things that can be preached honestly if you know how to preach you can preach messages you can put together messages they're not that hard to do actually you can just open the bible and throw some verses together and it'll be the word of god and you know and god will sovereignly anoint people to do stuff but i was saying lord really what do you want to say to us what is your heart for us, Lord? What, really, what is your heart? And, you know, really what God wants us to do is to, you know, to live what's reality for us. He wants us to live what we preach, in other words. He wants us to grab a hold of things that are real in our lives. And so I had this wonderful thing where God started in the Gospel of John. It was, he started opening up things to me in the Gospel of John I'd never seen before and started showing me things about the kingdom of God, things about living supernaturally, so to speak, how you can begin, how the, what the Gospel of John really teaches us. It teaches us something supernatural. 
And most people knew, you probably have a paradigm about the Gospel of John that's not that likely. You probably view it in a different perspective. But there's, a, there's, there's things in that that will tell you and teach you. This is how it, it will teach you how to see spiritually. It will teach you what to look for. It will teach you where to, where to look. And it's, and it's in there. And the Lord began to, sh- to show me some of those things. And So I wanted to read one, uh, John 1, uh, verse 43. Drew, John 1, verse 43. You don't have it? What happened to it? Huh? Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. Just, y'all can forget all that up there. Forget the, the screen. For some reason, it didn't get translated. John 1, verse 43. We can do it the old-fashioned way. I'm, I'm still into that. Open your Bibles to John 1, verse 43. The only you know, the problem doing it the old-fashioned way, you had to wait. Y'all good? It says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida in the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open." and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And what I would like to say to you this morning, that verse uh, from here on, uh, from hereafter, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The rest of the Gospel of John describes that verse. It describes heaven being opened and angels you know, coming and going upon the Lord. That's what the Gospel of John is, is about. It's about that verse. It's about describing that verse to the people. And when you begin, and what I'm saying to you is we need to begin to look at the Gospel of John in terms of that verse. Here's what's going to happen, Jesus said. You're going to see this. And John wrote, this is what Nathaniel saw. This, so it tells us this is how this heaven being opened to us and what it really looks like, and what really are the keys of things that we can join God in being able to see spiritually. Are y'all with me on this? Or is this too complicated? If it's not making any sense, just say it. It doesn't make no sense. You know, sometimes... All right, turn to Genesis 28, and let me read this Genesis 28, which is when Jesus said that, he was referring back to this scripture in Genesis 28. This is sort of just background material. I don't think I've ever returned to Genesis in this Bible. You know, you can tell about people who don't read their Bible much. They get a brand new Bible, and six months later, it's still 
pages are still stuck together, and that's how I keep up with people's Bible reading. I look at their Bible. So I think, man, that Bible looks new, man. You've had it two years. How many times have you opened it? Anyways, John 28, verse 10. It's it, no, not John. Genesis 28, verse 10. Y'all okay? Y'all sure y'all okay? Maybe I'm not. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it in his hand, put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and he and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. That's just what Jesus said. In other words, Jesus was Jacob's ladder. That's really what he was saying to to them. I'm Jacob's ladder. And heaven's going to open, and you're going to see these angels coming and going. In other words, you're going to be able to see, you're going to be able to see angelic activity. Uh, so that I thought that was pretty profound. But also this, think about this. Jesus also said, "I'm the door. I'm the gate." So not only was he Jacob's ladder, he was also that door open in heaven. He was saying, "I'm, I am that door. I'm the door to spirituality. I am the door of heaven that's open." See, we don't really realize it, but if you study the Gospel of John. Jesus is always talking about himself. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm, I'm it. You want to be spiritual? I'm the way to be spiritual. It's not doing some of the things you try to do to be spiritual. It's me that will make you spiritual. I'm, I'm the person that can make you spiritual. I'm the person that can connect you to heaven. Not just when you die. Because another thing he said in John 10, he said, I open the door, I bring my sheep in, and I bring them back out. In other words, he wasn't talking about just, I'm going to bring you to heaven when you die. He says, I'm going to bring you into heaven spiritually because the Bible says we're seated together with Christ in heavenly places in Ephesians. Is that not what it says? He says, I'm going to bring you in there, but then I'm going to bring you back out. In other words, I'm going to, you're going to go into the heavenly realm and the spiritual realm and you're going to see things, hear things, and gain things there, but you're going to have to go back out from there and into the earth and use those things I've given you there. In other words, God will show you things and speak to you things spiritually that you will need on this planet, on this earth, in your life, in your everyday life. That's, what, that's the way the thing really works. Now, it goes on, jumping down to verse 16. You know, Jacob had this, it was a dream he had, okay? Jacob had a dream. That's one of the ways God speaks all through the Bible is dreams. Is he gives us dreams about our lives or about situations around us. One of the ways that he, he reveals the spiritual world to us is through dreams. You think about it. All through the Bible, people, significant people have dreams. Paul had dreams. Jesus' dad or stepdad, Joseph, had dreams. They all had dreams that told them that they got information from these dreams to be able to do what they needed to do in their lives. So we need to pay attention when God gives us a dream. My daughter had a dream recently about her job. And about, and she had so she had this dream. She told Becky about it, and Becky told her the interpretation. A couple of weeks later, she walks into work, and guess what happens? Exactly what she dreamed. And what really what God was doing, He was telling her that so she could have faith to believe about what was going to happen. That this is God. God's in this. I know I can have faith in this direction. This needs to happen because. And God showed her that. Now you don't have to be a prophet to have dreams. 
You don't have to be some special spiritual person to get this stuff. See, we've got this notion in the church that you have to be somebody real super spiritual or real special. That's a lie. The lie is this. Or the truth is this. Everybody should have dreams. Everybody should be able to see into the spirit realm. We all should be living from there, getting things from there. It shouldn't just be a few special people. Now, God raises up people just to tell, to, so they can have an experience, so they can show other people, that, hey, you can have this experience. You can enter into this. You know, God did it with me. Let me show you how to do it. It'll help lead us into that. Are you all with me? So, um, then what he said, though, he woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And that's the, one of the things we've got to get about the spiritual realm. God can be somewhere, and we can miss Him. That's what Jacob was saying. I didn't know the Lord was here. I didn't know that, that there was an open heaven in this place. Now, that sounds crazy. We think if there's an open heaven, wonderful things are going to happen, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. I didn't know. I didn't know that the Lord was here. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. That's what he was saying. And see, that was one of Jesus' issues with, with the people of his day. He was saying, I'm it, I'm it, but they missed him. They missed the gate of heaven that came to them. And so what we need to see this morning, we are missing the gate of heaven. I believe we're missing the gate of heaven. That God is revealing himself to us, and we're missing it. Therefore, we're not able to tap into it. You know, I gave you an example many times about the electrical plug over there on the wall, right? 120 volts of potential power there. Right there, there's 120 volts of potential power right here, right now. Potential. But there's no power. It only becomes realized power when you plug into it. So that's the way it is. It's like... There's, a, there's a, a door open in heaven for us right now, but it's, it's potentially there. And until we connect into it, it doesn't really do us any good. It's just like Jesus is always there for the lost, always there to save. But unless a person sees him and receives him, they're not saved. Is that right? All right, turn over to Revelations 4.1. This is all just background. Are you all with me this morning? You're just mad and messed up and want to just go to church and hear something, sing some songs and, you know, you don't want to buy working on messing with your theology this morning. <laughs> All right, Revelations 4, and everybody knows this. It says, this is the same man who wrote the Gospel of John, John the Apostle. He says, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And then it talks about the voice. It says, And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which you must, which must, must take place after this. So you see, there's this door that Jesus, this Jesus opened the door. But he never closed the door. The door remains open. John, Jesus started out in the Gospel of John, you're going to see a door open in heaven. And then John later on said, Oh, I suddenly see this door, and I'm hearing these people telling me to come up here. The door's never been opened, or never been closed. Jesus has never closed the door. What has happened is we've closed the door of our lives. That's why it says in, in Revelations 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open the door of your life to me, then you can come into my door and I'll go into your door. We can just you know, have this thing. Here's the way a friend of mine explained it to me. 
is, you know, motel rooms that are adjoining and there's like this door in the room, not a door into the hallway, but a door in your room to the next room. Y'all know what those are? And in most places, unless it's another country, I've been in countries where it was just one door and you could peek over in another room and see the people. But in, in America, you can open the door in your room and guess what's facing you? There's another door right there. Well, here's the, way that, here's the way that is, is the Lord has opened the door. It's like he's got a room beside us, and there are adjoining rooms, and he's opened the door to his room. His room, his door is open, and he's waiting for us to open our door. And when we open our door, we'll see that his door is open, and we can go into his room, be with him in there. He'll come into our rooms, and we can go back and forth. And that's really a great picture when you think about the way the spiritual realm works. God's door is open. Our doors are the one that's closed. Are y'all with me on that? All right, if you look at, uh, stay in Revelations, Revelations 3, verse 8. It says, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and, and have not denied my name. Y'all remember a few weeks ago, the guy came here, the strange guy from New York. <laughs> remember him, David Harwood? Remember the message he preached about God's love and, and he said he felt like he had a word for our church and the word was Philadelphia? Remember, do y'all remember that? You know, and I bet you I got 19 messages <laughs> reading about the church at Philadelphia since then. Just ask, Lord, what is it? What, what does that mean? What, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. But I think this, this is the most important thing. Is that I feel like God, and this is why I'm saying this to you this morning. I feel like God said to us, my door is open to this church. I feel like that's what he was really saying when it boiled down. Yes, we could read you have little power. That's a good thing, having little power, right? Because the more power you got, the less of his power he will share. We need to become powerless in ourselves so he can be powerful in us. That's a good thing. You know, you always thought about Philadelphia sort of as a, not a good church. Well, it's a great church. It's a great church. And the Lord said he opened heaven, that same door, Christ. And that's really what the Lord wants us to hear. He wants us to know that, that his door is open to us. The heavenly realm is open to us. And he is saying, my door is open. Will you open your door? And that's, that's the question that we have to ask. Will, will you open the door? Well, if you're like me, I'm saying, how do I open my door, Lord? I mean, practically. I think everybody in this room would say, Yes. Yes, Lord, we want this. We desire this. This is our dream. This is our, our vision, right? I mean, if it's not, maybe you need to get it as a vision. Um, I, that's what, but, so that's where I think the Gospel of John can help us. I think the Gospel of John can tell you how to open the door. Can, that sh practical ways to show you how to enter into that spiritual realm with the Lord. It's, it's right in there. So I wanted to give you one, one practical thing this morning. Are y'all with me on this? I keep asking because he's sort of looking at me like, man, what is wrong with him? I feel good about this, man. I'm excited about this. I'm, this is why I'm excited about it because I want to get connected into the spiritual realm. I want to live from there. I don't want to live from where everybody else is living from. We should all, that should be our desire. Who cares what everybody, if that's what they want to live, let's do it. But I don't want to live that way. God didn't put me here. 
Well, in the, in the Gospel of John, there's seven miracles, okay? For the all, God, all people who studied in CSM, you should know this. If you don't know this, then somebody didn't do good. You skipped that night, okay? But there's actually seven miracles in, in the Gospel of John that really kind of clearly describe, and you can read about those miracles and find out all kinds of good information about because miracles are spiritual, right? There's something supernatural. All right, here's the first one, okay? It's in John 2, verse 1. It says, on the third day, everybody knows this, and you've been to a wedding, you've heard this one. It's just been, re- I don't want to be bad. I mean, I think it's a great wedding, but we can't just reduce this down to a, a nice thing to say at a wedding, you know? <laughs> and sometimes that's what happens to the Scriptures. They get reduced down to nice things. And these are not nice things. They're radical things. But they're, good, they're a good thing to say at a wedding because I think radical things should be said at a wedding. You know, the gospel must, must be preached. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, remember, this is the first thing that happened after Jesus said, you're going to see heaven open. All right? And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So they were drinking wine. They ran out. They didn't have any wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. You know, that's like 180 gallons of water, or 120 at the minimum. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw some now, some now, out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay? Now here's the key, okay? Well, there's a couple things. One thing is that verse, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now, a better translation of that verse is this. Is that any of our business? Okay? Is that any of our business, Mother? My business or your business? And see, I think that's really one of the things that we really have to see. If we really want to tap into the spiritual realm, we have to determine you know, what we're involved in. Is this God's business or not? I mean, I think that's a legitimate question we need to be asking. Lord, is this your business? I think if we really want to be spiritual, we need to ask God, is this your your business, Lord? And if the Lord tells you, no, it's not my business, then there's not going to be anything supernatural involved in it. Do you understand that? I mean, I think that's a real key thing. Is this, is this our business? Should we, would, should we concern ourselves with this? Is this something we should be doing? Lord, we need to know, is, are you in this, Lord, or not? Okay? And I think it's important that you see that God, He said, is this any of our business? Any, your business, my business. And that's, a real, that's another important thing about tapping into the spiritual realm. We've got to see that God is interested in doing business on the earth, but He somehow tied Himself up with us to do it. See, we want things that just happen. They don't just happen. Y'all with me? I don't know. I, this sound, to me, this, this sounds like everybody knows this stuff, you know. 
And that's the way it feels to me right now. You know, but really it's the truth. God really is looking for people that will work with Him. And that's really the truth. He's looking for people to partner with Him. Because He just, just doesn't do stuff by Himself. He's, he wants to be in business with us, to do His business. And the only way we're going to ever really tap, truly tap into the spiritual world, other than maybe as spectators and seeing it, you know, on some stage somewhere, but I'm talking about us. I don't want to just watch somebody else do stuff and be involved. I don't know about you, but that's boring. We should want to be in on it ourselves. If all we want to do is just do what we're doing, we're just going to be stuck in the mundane. So, you know, we have to make a determination in our heart. Are we going to work with God? Are we going to serve God? And that's really the truth. Are we going to be servants? And if you study Jesus' life, one of the last things that Jesus did before he died was he was serving by washing his disciples' feet. And you know what he said to them when he washed their feet? He said, listen, if you know these things and if you do them, you'll live a blessed life. In other words, if you really serve other people, you will live a blessed life. That's what Jesus said. You'll live a blessed life. Another thing, you know when Lazarus died, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Y'all know that? It was the shortest verse in the Bible. Here's a great story. Maybe this will loosen you up some about the shortest verse in the Bible. When I first got saved, I was in, I was in college, and this guy who was like the kingpin spiritually there, you know, he was like the most spiritual. He'd, he'd been a Christian four years, you know, which was, wow, four years. How could anybody be a Christian four years? That's eternity, you know? <laughs> When you've been a Christian weeks, four years, wasn't it, especially when you're a young person? So this one day I was sitting in the library with this guy, and he said, um, what's your favorite Bible verse? I thought, favorite Bible verse? I had just read somewhere that Jesus wept was the shortest verse in the Bible. So I said, Jesus wept. It was the only Bible verse I knew. He looked at me and said, wow, profound, man. I said, Really? I didn't think it was, I just thought it was the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the only verse I know. I didn't want to humiliate myself in front of, in front of this great spiritual man that was 22 years old, <laughs> been a Christian four years. But this is what happened to me recently. It became a profound verse to me recently. This week it became profound to me. I went to a funeral this week. It was Libby's mom's funeral. And I think they may have been, I'm not sure how old Tommy and Libby are, but they're not young. But at that at that funeral, they were young. Because her mom was in her 80s, and most of the people were white-headed there, old folks. You know, Seth and uh, uh, Stacy were the youngest people there, and then Tommy and Libby and me and Becky, we were the we were the young ones. We were the spring chickens there. I've never met Libby's mama. But you know what? When, during the funeral, all of a sudden, I had these emotions rise up me. I wanted to cry, and I was sitting there pushing these emotions down. Why do I want to cry? Nobody else is crying around me. Why do I want to cry? Nobody's crying. I'm going to, feel like I'm going to look like a fool if I start crying in here. I don't even know. I've never seen her before. I've never met her before. I've never talked to her. I wasn't feeling sorry for Tommy and Libby. They were not up there crying. I didn't feel just some overwhelming natural grief. And I walked out, and I told Becky, I almost cried in there. And she didn't say nothing. But really what it was, I believe it was the compassion of the Lord rising up in me. And see, all of a sudden that verse, Jesus wept, because that's what happens 
in that situation is Lazarus was dead and everybody was crying and everybody was weeping and Jesus was getting all upset about their, you know, their unbelief and stuff but he did have a compassion in him when he saw how people felt and people's hurt and people's loss Jesus, it touched him it really touched him it touched him to the degree where he really wept he, I don't believe he was weeping because oh the world's lost you know and I'm so mad at these Pharisees. He, he was weeping out of compassion with them. And I believe the Lord, that's really when I say we really need to be serving God, that's really what God's looking for. He's looking for people who weep when He weeps. He's looking for people who have compassion like He wants to have. That's really what God wants to do. He wants to cry over people. That's how you serve people. It's when they're hurting, you hurt with them. That's a simple way to serve people. Because the Lord hurts for people. He's not indifferent to us and our feelings. And, and it says, you know, the servants knew. When it turned, they were the only people. Listen, a notable miracle happened at that wedding. And only a handful of people knew a notable miracle happened. Only It was the servants that knew it. It was the servants and Jesus' mama. Nobody else knew it. You know, the people in charge didn't know it. It says the guy who was in charge, he didn't know where it, where it came. Oh, you've got some good wine you've kept stashed here, man. That's cool. I'm servers thinking, this guy's an idiot. He didn't have no wine. Jesus turned water to wine. What a tremendous miracle, but nobody saw it. Servants saw it. And I think that's what God is trying to communicate to us this morning, if you really want to be in on what I'm in on, be a servant. Serve me. Serve people. And you will see miracles. You will see God do things. Now, I think that's the truth. There's a lot of miracles. We had a miracle this week. There was a great miracle that happened the same day. You know, we were thinking, oh, we've got to go to the funeral home now. We've got to go down to Charlotte and make sure we don't have to go to another funeral. But Ryan, remember last week, Ryan Mead's cousin, I guess it would be his niece, Nephew. Nephew was, they did a spinal tap on this little baby and they had blood in the spinal tap. Blood in its, which means it has a brain hemorrhage. That's what was happening with the baby. The baby had a brain hemorrhage. And one of the aunts called and she was like, you know, they're going to the hospital. This baby's having a brain hemorrhage and the baby's going to die if God doesn't do something. People don't live from brain hemorrhages, you know, especially babies. So we were praying and trying to figure out what to do and asked, Lord, please heal this baby. Becky comes walking in the office 30 minutes later and said, that baby's going home. Yeah. I said, what baby? What are you talking about? The baby's healed. There's nothing wrong with it. But that was a miracle. And what I'm telling you is, is not everybody knows about stuff like that. You know, not that I was special. I mean, I was just some dumb guy sitting at the phone when they called, you know. But I think God is doing stuff like that all the time, just like Jacob said, God was here and I didn't even know it. There was a miracle that happened and some of y'all didn't know it. That's not a, I'm not saying that's bad on your part. How could you have known it? But I'm saying God is at work and we can tap into those things. And I believe one of the ways to tap it is to be like those servants. Whatever he tells you to do, go do it. Well, here's some water. Just take it to him. Okay, we're a bunch of dumb servants. This guy's got this water. I don't know what in the world all this is about. And then he turns it to wine. 
the headmaster of the thing. He didn't know what, where it came from, but the servants knew. And I think that's one of the things that we need to see. If we really want to see heaven open, like Jesus said, you'll see heaven open, you'll see angels, is we have to put ourselves in the servant mode. We have to put ourselves in a heart to serve. Lord, I'm going to serve you. And Lord, if you call me to go to a funeral, and if your compassion rises up in me, I'm going to weep over this thing. You know? And if you call me just to pray for a baby that I happen to know about, for you to heal, I'm going to do that, Lord. I mean, it doesn't have to be some official thing. Please don't make it official. Make it unofficial. Make it part of your life to be that kind of person. And I believe God will move. I believe you'll see God move all the time. And see, it's so unspectacular sounding, that miracle I just told you. Baby's going home. It was no television show. There was no great man of God up there praying. There was no great worship going on. There was none of that stuff that we have conditioned ourselves to see. It was just God doing what God does every day. And he's saying, I'm looking for people who want to do that with me. That's just one, one thing. So being a servant of God is one of the ways that God opens our, opens our eyes to see heaven's, heaven's gate open to us. Amen? So, um, you know, what I want to ask you this morning, anybody would like to have that experience with the Lord where you feel like God's speaking to you this morning to be a servant? I mean, seriously. What I just said to you, do you feel like God may be nudging your heart? Lord, I, I would really like to see heaven open. I, I really want to be associated with things that you're doing, you know, your business. Does anybody feel that God spoke that to them? Specific. I want you to come up here. I'm a big all the tall guy. So.